You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Galatians chapter 1. Today is part 3 of our sermon series, Why? Perhaps uh, you as a child, or maybe you're a parent and you remember as a child, one of the questions that the children, uh, toddlers like to ask young children is, why? Why is the sky blue? Why do I have to brush my teeth every day? Why do I have to take a bath? Why do I have to take a nap? And kids like to ask that question of why. Well, oftentimes that mentality carries on into the adulthood and uh, oftentimes we fall into that same thing. There's nothing wrong with asking God the why questions and some of them are very tough. We've talked about why bother to pray if God already knows everything, right? Well, we learned some principles why it's really for us, right? Then last week we tackled the question why is life not fair? We talked about that today. We're going to look at this topic. Why is there evil in the world? Galatians 1. And here Paul is bringing an introduction to his letter to the people, uh, to the Galatians. And it says this in verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to to rescue us. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Let me stop right there. He doesn't say, is this age evil? He just says, hey, it's just a matter of fact. We live in an evil age. Now, this was written about 2,000 years ago. I mean, no, we can, that still applies to us today. We could still say today, we live in an evil age. The good news is Jesus Christ, was Paul is writing here in verse 3, gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this evil age. According to the will of God, our Father, to him, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Is the world, is there evil in this world? Yes. We're really not going to tackle that question because it's pretty obvious there is evil in this world. The question is, why? Is there a reason for that? We'll talk about that today. Lord, thank you for the privilege we have to be here today to worship you and now to get into the teaching of your word. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, and we pray your blessing upon this word. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. Thank you, Lord. And I just pray that you would um, minister to our minds as well as our hearts. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes I watch the news. Sometimes I do not. Because sometimes I get a little discouraged because of all the evil going on at the 10 o'clock news. Murder here, terrorism here, and all these things. And Perhaps maybe you're like me. Sometimes I get a little tired of seeing the news and getting the news feed. Just this week alone, I took note, started jotting down some some news reports that kind of reveal what our topic is today, that we live in an evil world. For example, Tuesday, just a few days ago, the headline said, One dies, three wounded in a stabbing at the University of Texas. And that same day, This past Tuesday, a DEA agent attacked, grazes man with bullet during shooting on the west side of San Antonio. And then on Wednesday, one of the headlines says, two die in shooting at a Dallas area college. 
Wednesday as well, eight arrested in a Texas human trafficking ring that victimized children. Wow. We live in an evil world. Wednesday also, police investing, uh, um, uh, investigating possible murder-suicide in northwest San Antonio. Thursday, missing American-Canadian couple found dead in Belize. Thursday, Nashville dad pleads guilty to raping three-month-old baby. Evil in this world. Saturday, yesterday, satanic temple to erect first-ever satanic monument on public property. Yesterday, another headline, 200 still at large, two days after jailbreak. Yesterday, again, another headline in Washington State, Cynthia Little, a 71-year-old lady, was beaten to death with a fireplace poker by an 18-year-old teenager who was like a grandson to her. Yesterday, man accused of killing his half-brother in Wilson County. It's not too far from us here. And then even early this morning, 2.30 a.m., nightclub shooting sends one to the hospital in northwest San Antonio. They're in their 1604. Wow. And, and, you know, and these are just a few things. I didn't really do a lot of invest. Those are just headlines that pop up on my news feed. And we ask the question, why is there so much evil in this world? There is evil in this world. Why is this ter- well, there terrorism and murders and child molesters and on and on? It, it, it's, it's prevalent. And sometimes we ask God, God, why is there so much evil in this world? Well, let's take a look at it and help. hopefully we can understand this just a little bit better. Why is there evil in the world? Number one, evil is a result of Satan's influence. Evil is a result of Satan's influence. We read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The world that we live in is under the control of the evil one. Satan is very much of a powerful influencer in our world today. Reminds me of the worship service that was going on when in a typical in, a, in church one day, and the devil just walked in through the back doors and started walking down the front aisle. The devil. Well, when people saw him, they jumped out of their seats and ran to their cars and they left the place as quickly as they could. I got to get out of here. The devil's here. Everybody took off. All the leaders, even the pastor took off, except for one lady sitting on the second row. She just stayed there. She was the only one left. The devil came and looked at her, ma'am, do you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are, she said. Everybody's afraid of me. They're gone. You're the only one left. So you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. Why aren't you afraid of me? I'm not afraid of you. Why not? Because I've been married to your brother for 35 years, she said. (laughs) Well, the devil uh, does have an influence. The Bible does say that the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does have an influence on many people's lives. And I sometimes don't like to hear these words that some people say. These words, oh, the devil made me do it. Speaking about evil, the devil made me do it. Now, can the devil tempt you and I? Yes, he can. But can the devil make you do anything? No, he cannot. Okay? I want to make that clear. So if you're you're ever saying, the devil made me do it, you're speaking, uh, you're not speaking the truth. Okay? Because 
The devil cannot make you do anything. He may tempt you, but you have control of the choices you make in life. You make choices in life. We've got to understand that. Life lesson. While many people like to say, the devil made me do it, the truth is the devil cannot make you do anything. You have a free will. I love to look at parables, and I want us to turn to Matthew 13. A parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And many of these why questions Jesus addresses by telling these parables, speaking in parables. So let's read this one based on Matthew 13, verse 24. It's a parable of the weeds, and it helps us understand this whole idea that we're talking about of evil in this world. Matthew 13, 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in this field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came in. His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Why then did the weeds, or, or where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So what is Jesus speaking of when he speaks this parable? Well, we've got to understand what he's talking about. The field is, is a picture of the world that we live in. He himself, uh, or rather God, is the owner of the land. The enemy, we know who the enemy is, the devil, Satan himself. The servants are those who, who, who serve in the harvest, in the field, like you and I. The weeds is a picture of what the enemy does. He sows weeds into this world. People who are evil. And once again, it's part of Satan's influence here. And what the enemy loves to do is mix in his evil influence to people like you and I, who are serving God, loving God, pursuing a relationship with God. The enemy loves to just throw in there the weeds, the people who will choke us out, so to speak. The enemy would love to do that. So what are we to do? The servant says, should we pull up all the weeds? The owner says, no, 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 no. Let's wait until the harvest. There, there's going to come a time that we will take care of this, not right now. So the owner says, let's just go ahead and let things go, but there's going to come a time that those weeds are going to be bundled up and burned. He says, when the harvest comes, let me know there's a harvest coming. Jesus is coming back, and one of these days... What is the Lord going to do? He's going to separate the wheat from the weeds. He's going to separate those who are serving God, those who are not serving God. Those who are not serving God, the weeds, it says right here in this parable, going to be bundled up and burned. Those who are serving God, kind of like you and I, the productive, fruitful wheat, get to go to the master's barn or let's just say heaven. Beautiful picture that helps us understand how the enemy kind of puts... uh, Weeds, but we can understand that. Uh, I, I believe we can un- under- understand that quite a bit. 
So evil is a result of Satan's influence. Why is there evil in the world? Number two, evil is a result of people choosing to sin. Evil is also the result of people choosing to sin. Remember, you and I have a free will to choose. And sometimes some people make wrong choices. Many times people choose to do evil. Let's read what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. He tells us we need to make wise choices. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Once again, this was written 2,000 years ago. The days were evil then. Can I tell you something? The days are still evil today. Paul is saying be wise. Make wise choices. Don't choose evil. A lot of people in this world, they choose evil. Therefore, verse 17 here in Ephesians 5 says, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You need to be wise. You've got to make wise choices. Don't get drunk on wine. Be instead filled with the Holy Spirit. But the choice is yours. The choice is mine. We make choices every day. And sometimes people make the right choices. They choose to sin. And when someone is constantly choosing to sin, what they're really doing is going down the wrong road of life. That road leads to evil. We may say, ah, I'm just a little bit of sin here, a little bit of sin there. But as that continues to grow, it leads to a road of evil. Life lesson God made each one of us with a free will. Those who choose uh, God are choosing God's favor. Those who choose sin are choosing evil. That's the road. They're going down the wrong path. In the sermon series that we're doing, answering the tough questions of why, one of the questions we're not going to do a whole sermon on, but I just want to take a side note to address it because it's on this topic. Some people say this or ask this question, why would a loving God send people to hell? Well, the, the, the problem is uh, that's a wrong statement. God doesn't send anyone to hell. Sometimes people have this connotation that God, God, God does. Every one of us have a choice to make. Today, as always, God offers you eternal life. He offers you the sacrifice of his son. God is saying, you see this door, my son, my daughter? There's a door wide open. I want you to come and serve me and enter into eternal life. It's a great door. Jesus said, I am the door. He wants you to enter this door to serve him, to follow him, to experience eternal life. Some people see that invitation, hear God's invitation. They say, ah, that's all right. I'll just go down another path. And that path could very well lead to hell. Did God send them there? No, God invited them into his presence. God invited them to eternal life. He didn't send any. It was their choice. God doesn't send anyone to hell. He's a loving God, and he's definitely wants you to make the right choices in life. So just, I want to encourage you to make the right. Now, there's some people who are kind of, I guess we could say neutral. They're not choosing to be evil, okay? But they don't choose God. They say, well, okay, God, thank you, but uh, let me just wait a while. God, I I just want to have a little bit of fun. And, and, and I'll, I'll come back to this door maybe in five years, ten years. And they choose not to follow God the way God is inviting them to follow him. 
So it's not that they're making a, a conscious choice to pursue evil, but they're really making a choice not to accept the Lord right in the here and now. But, uh, you know, so many times it's that neutral spot that many people are at. Well, I call myself a Christian, but I'm really not serving God. Or maybe they think they are. How many know when we serve God, we need to make a wholehearted commitment? Not a half-hearted commitment, but let's serve God with everything that we have. Then there are those who, who go down the wrong path. And the path of sin leads to greater sin and greater sin. And it does lead to evil, if we could just understand that. What is evil? Once again, everybody has their opinion about what evil is. I want you to watch this video and just listen to a few people's responses to the question, what is evil? I believe evil is a construct made up by religion. Nothing is really evil. I just think that's what it is. Evil is the weaker part of ourselves. Satan's all evil. Mm -hmm. 100%. You made that choice. I can't say there is a Satan, I can't say there's a God. Therefore, if there's not real evil, it can't be ultimate good either. It's just what we make of it. Evil has begun from the beginning. Cain and Abel. I believe that there's a Lord of lies. He'll tell you that something that that is bad for you is good for you. I think evil is a part of what we are in society. It's more like everything has a balance, everything has opposition. It's an energy, you know, you could say it's a, it's a force. I think evil is relative, don't you? So is there a true definition of evil? Probably not. Evil is something that is in the head. It's within man, you know, it's temptation. Whether it actually exists, well, that's kind of like asking if any idea really exists. For me, evil is definitely tangible. Evil is not really a thing, it's more of an action. I think anything that's purposefully hurtful to someone else um, would be an evil action on a worldly level. Terrorism is a perfect example of that. I think the terrorists weren't evil. They believed what they were doing was right. What they did was not right, but at the same time, there is a certain amount of influence and ignorance involved in all sides. Osama bin Laden is just a crazy freak. He's not, he's not evil, he's just crazy. It could be chemical, you know, in the head sometimes. The chemical is not right, and so they do things. I think people being scared of what they don't know makes them do often evil things. Evil, non-evil, those are things that change from generation to generation, from century to century, mm -hmm. religion to religion. Evil is brainwashing, having people to follow and believe in what their causes are. I don't believe in killing or anything like that. I don't consider murder evil. I just choose not to call it evil, per se, because I think when you start saying evil, then people start getting all these preconceived notions about it. Child predators are evil to the core. Things like rape, I think that's evil. Anything can be dubbed as evil. Anything that makes you out of control is something that is evil. I just think some people are bad, but I wouldn't necessarily call them and I think good people do bad things, and, and people who, who aren't as good do good things, too. So I know some people who try to get rid of darkness using a gray area. You have to use the light to combat the darkness. We do need more people like Mother Teresa. We need more people in this world to be understanding. And to get over evil is for everybody to break down their barriers. You gain a lot more by making right and confident choices versus evil choices. That would be one step towards diminishing the evil in our world. Trying to raise our children to be good people, regardless of our religious beliefs. And what we don't need 
are people that just look at one person and judge that one person. It's the fact that evil is made by judgment. Technically, it's only a thing of our mind that we have created, because what is, what is evil but what we've been told? It'd be easy, I think, to categorize, you know, people who have done really bad things as evil. That doesn't mean they're strictly evil, though. Hitler, Mussolini. Yeah, um, they've done horrible things, but who knows if they had some kind of a psychological disorder that made it so they really weren't conscious enough to make good decisions. So how can we hold them accountable? Everybody has their opinion about evil. What is your opinion? Hopefully today we're looking at this from a biblical point of view. Evil is the result of Satan's influence. Evil is a result of people choosing to sin. And number three, evil is a result of the absence of God. Evil is a result of the absence of God. Let me read to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. Paul says this, and, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. In other words, he didn't say, is, are there wicked and evil people? No, it's, an, it's a given fact. But I'm praying for you that you will be delivered from them. And he says, for not everyone has faith. In other words, not everyone is following Jesus. And because of that, there is wickedness, there's evil in this world. Verse 3, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. How many of you are grateful that the Lord protects us from the evil one? When I see so many people doing evil things, my heart breaks, and I, I quickly, in my opinion, identify that individual who does evil as someone who doesn't have God in them. They have the absence of God. Because if God was with them, then their actions would show it. If God was with them, they would have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. How many know you have the Holy Spirit with you? Amen? You're a Christ follower. You love Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to convict us of sin. Have you ever been on the verge of doing something, in a sinful act, and all of a sudden there's this feeling in your stomach? It's like you think it's butterflies. Well, really what it is is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is good news because that means the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen. The Holy Spirit is doing his job. He's convicting you. Don't do that. Don't go there. No, no, no. Don't cross that boundary. The Holy Spirit does that. But for many people, they don't have that conviction. In other words, they don't have God. It's as simple as that. They do evil things. They do ugly things. And they have no conscience about it, no convictions. Because God is in them. They have the, they're experiencing the absence of God. Last week, a week for five days, uh, Brenda and I, we babysat two of our grandkids because uh, Brittany and Luis were out of town on vacation. And so we had LJ, who's two and a half years old. We had Olivia, who's one years old. But, man, she's got a lot of energy. She gets into everything. So before they came over for five days, we had to child-proof our home. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, Okay. We had a child proof our home. We had to put those plastic plugs in the in the electrical outlets, right, so that they won't stick their fingers in there. We had to relocate our recycle bin. We installed a baby gate so that they wouldn't go up the stairs. 
Now we can go up the stairs because we, you know, we, you know. But a, a one-year-old going up the stairs can fall. I mean, you know, it could be a dangerous thing. So we had to put the baby gate. We pulled out a pack and play playpen so that when Olivia would go to sleep, she'd wake up and not just run all around the house. But you know, just we had to put little boundaries so that they would not hurt themselves. We had to take things that were on the lower shelves and put them on a higher shelf so they wouldn't grab things that could harm them. We wanted to protect our grandkids. You know what I'm talking about? God does similar things with you and I. God puts boundaries around you. And we may say, God, why can't I do this? Why can't I go there? God says, don't go there. Uh, you, you know, you're just, you're, you, it's going to lead down the wrong path. You may hurt yourself. You may get involved in evil. You may, And God puts boundaries around you and I, and sometimes we complain. God, why do I have to have these boundaries? Why do I have to obey the Ten Commandments? Why do I have to obey the Word? These are boundaries. Is it because God hates you? No, it's because God loves you, and he wants to protect you from evil. And God does that. And hopefully we learn our lessons to to say thank you, God, for the boundaries that you place in our lives. Life lesson, God knows which boundaries to place on you. When you cross those boundaries, you leave God's presence and open yourself up to evil. I'll close this by a great story that I love to talk about. The, the setting is a college campus a college classroom. And in this university, there's a professor who believes that God is evil. He doesn't, he's not a Christ follower, non-believer. And many times he would throw out things to the students there in his classroom to make them believe either that there is no God or that God is evil. So one day as he was lecturing, he asked the question to the students, did God create everything in this world? The student says, yeah, God created everything. Okay, then that means that God created evil, right? Oh, then that means that God is evil. That was his deduction. He was trying to influence the students in the class that, that God was indeed evil. Well, one student kind of sheepishly raised his hand, and he says, well, well professor, can I respond to that? Well, sure. What do you have to say? The Student says, uh, Professor, let me ask you a question. Does cold exist? Well, of course, the professor said cold exists. We have to wear sweaters and coats, and there's times we have to, to have blankets, and cold exists. The young man replied, well, sir, uh, no, I beg to differ. Cold does not exist. You see, according to the laws of physics, what we consider cold is, a reality in, is in reality the absence of heat. You see, Mr. Professor, every body or object is susceptible to study when it has or transmits energy, and heat is what makes a body or matter have or transmit energy. Absolute zero, negative 460 degrees Fahrenheit, is a total absence of heat, and all matter becomes inert and incapable of reaction at that temperature. Cold does not exist, Mr. Professor. We have created a word to describe the absence of heat. Well, Professor, okay. Uh, Mr. Professor, let me ask you another question. Does, does darkness exist? Well, of course darkness exists. There's times you walk into a room and it's dark and 
there's darkness. Well, Mr. Professor, I beg to differ. No, darkness is the word that we've come up with to describe the absence of light. He says, Mr. Professor, light we can study, but we cannot study darkness. In fact, we can use Newton's prism to break white light into many colors and study the various wavelengths of each colors, but you cannot measure darkness. A simple ray of light can, bring, uh, can break into a world of darkness and illuminate it. How can you know how much dark there is in a certain space? You measure the amount of light present. Isn't that correct? Darkness, Mr. Professor, is a term that we have come up with to describe the absence of light. Hmm. Finally, the student says, Mr. Professor, does evil exist? Well, of course, we just proved it a while ago. All you got to do, student, is read the newspaper. All you got to do is turn on the news and see how much evil there is in the world. All around there is evil. Well, the student said, let me tell you, evil does not exist in itself. Evil, Mr. Professor, is simply the absence of God. Evil is simply the absence of God. Mr. Professor, God did not create evil. Evil is a result of what happens when man does not have God and God's love present in his heart. It's like cold that comes when there is no heat or darkness that comes when there is no light. Evil is a result of the absence of God. Is there evil in this world? Yeah. Could it be? Could it be that Hatred is simply the absence of God. Could it be that sin is simply the absence of God? Could it be that evil is simply the absence of God? Every time I see evil, it makes me want God that much more. Is there evil in this world? Yes. I started this message today by showing you a few headlines that I read on the news feeds just this week alone. So I close by reading you another set of headlines, breaking news. But this time, it's good news. President Trump signs an executive order Thursday this week to give us more religious freedom. Amen. At Fortress Church this past week, four individuals made a public declaration of their faith in God and were baptized in water as an outward confession of their inward commitment to Jesus Christ. At Fortress Church this week, we got new chairs. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. On Thursday was the National Day of Prayer, and millions and millions of Americans across this nation were praying and interceding for this nation, lifting up God Almighty. See, there's good news, my friend. Let me give you some more breaking news. Here it is. God still loves you. God still works miracles Breaking news, God still heals. God still forgives sins. God answers prayer. Breaking news, God is still on the throne. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Prue Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.